Dynasty Podcast is proud to present Pod Class, a series of conversations recorded at a college, university, or other academic or industry setting. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. Today, talking with Chicago fashion designer Anna Hovet in a live interview recorded at the Intro to Management class I teach at Columbia College, Chicago. Here's how that sounds. Haima Black, broadcasting live from Columbia College, Chicago, where I teach an Intro to Management class. Um, I'm holding a special pod class interview with Chicago fashion designer and CEO at Anna Hovet Designs. Anna Hovet, live from my classroom. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We have you here at Columbia College in Chicago, 623 South Michigan. We're right here, right in the heart of the city. Thank you so much for being a part of this and for coming up to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always excited to talk to people and tell about what I do and hopefully inspire some people. No, absolutely. You definitely will. And I know that I just gave you a very, very succinct, brief introduction, but why don't you actually give us a real overview of who you are, what you do, what kind of work Anna Hove, you know, fashion and design is? All right. Um, Well, I'm originally from North Dakota. I went to the School of the Art Institute. Um, I now have a young contemporary women's wear line called Anna Hovet. Uh, we specialize in um, young progressive contra- contemporary, which is like a streetwear designer fusion. Um, it's all knitwear, and it's all manufactured here in Chicago. Um, and I sell to eight stores in the city and online and a few others across the country. Yeah, do you want me to go into my background? or? Yeah, yeah, go in. And we're going we're gonna to probably, like, everything you bring up, we're probably going to, like, dissect bit by bit by bit over the half hour, so go ahead. All right, well, um, I went to the School of the Art Institute, majored in fashion design and fashion illustration. I now teach at the Art Institute. I teach fashion illustration. I graduated in 07, worked corporate designing baby clothes for Echo, Calvin Klein, and Kenneth Cole. Um, And due to the poor economy, they laid off our whole office. So I was, how old was I? I was 23, didn't know what I was gonna do, wasn't ready to move to New York, didn't really want to move to New York, couldn't find a job here. Um, and I was like, maybe I should start my own line. So I started putting things on Facebook, like just photos and stuff, and people started really liking it. And I, I knew a lot of friends who were models and photographers, you know, as I'm sure all of you do, going to school with so many people of different backgrounds. I kind of rounded up my photographer and model and graphic design friends and was like, you know, I'm kind of thinking about doing this. Will you guys help me? So we put together a lookbook. Um, and I started showing it to stores, and stores started picking it up. Um, Akira placed a huge order. Um, I was in Lucky Magazine. I had my stuff on Jennifer Hudson. And it just kind of like spiraled from there. Um, you know, I was living on unemployment. I had no money, like no money. Um, I was barely even eating, barely paying my rent. But I was like, you know what, I'm going to try this. What's the worst that could happen? I'm not going to be homeless. I'll work at Starbucks if I have to. Um, and I just kind of did it. And it picked up. And I got into the Chicago Fashion Incubator, which is a city-sponsored incubator for designers. They select six each year. They're out of Macy's. Um, and then it just kind of grew from there, and now I do it full time, and um, yeah, I love it. I love being an entrepreneur. I love, you know, learning. I'm constantly learning how to do things. There's no book saying, all right, this is how you run a fashion business, especially an independent fashion business in Chicago where you're domestically manufacturing. It's a lot to learn, and it was me asking a lot of annoying questions, um, you know, calling my accountant, asking all these things. I didn't have marketing class. I didn't have computer class. I didn't have business class. All I had was art classes. So everything I had to learn on my own through asking people questions, researching it on the internet. You know, luckily we live in an age of the internet and like people take it for granted. You can learn anything on the internet, which is so amazing as an entrepreneur because like, I don't know what margin means. Oh, I'll just Google it. Or like, I don't know how to grade the pattern for this. Google it. Um, So yeah, and then I have a big social media following. I do a lot of corporate sponsorships for different things. Um, I did spokesperson work for F and Vodka last summer. Um, I was a Chicago spokesperson for Belvita Breakfast Bars. Um, I've done work with Sony, Chevy Volt. just lots of really cool things. I was just um, doing work with United Airlines. They have this program where you can bid your frequent flyer miles to, um, you know, win a backstage pass or some like priceless experience. And uh, last month was spent Chicago Fashion Week with Anna Hovet, which was really cool. And so like people were like bidding their frequent flyer miles, and then 
um, yeah, yeah, the winner got to like hang out with me. It was cool. Well, I think we covered absolutely everything. So thank <laughs> no, you so much for coming out. Even um, no, tip yeah, of the iceberg. There's so much I want to pick apart from that. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about a lot of that. Um, let's start with something that wasn't even on my radar, but I think is a great kind of topic that I see all the time also in the music space. Um, obviously, that's my background. Moving to New York, moving to L.A., what I see happening in the music industry here is the second somebody, either like a, a student graduates from college here, and then they just book to L.A. or New York, or an artist starts to get a little bit of heat, and they book to L.A. or New York, and it really bums me out. because, And I, I'm not begrudging anyone whatever path they have to follow to find success, but it bums me out because I see talent leave this city, and I think it is a little bit harder to make it in Chicago. So how do you feel? Because I, I feel like I see a lot of the same parallels where, like, you're kind of, like, standing not entirely alone, but we don't have the infrastructure of New York. But at the same time, you're not paying, like, a million dollars to live in a studio with seven people. True. Um, I absolutely agree with you. And you know, I don't have a whole lot of desire to move to New York or LA unless a really good opportunity comes about. Um, but I think I think there is a lack of money for the arts in Chicago, at least in the fashion scene in particular. Um, there's not a lot of manufacturing structure, um, and you know, it's also a conservative city, so people are less willing to pay money for good art. Um, but I don't think it's impossible either. I think as far as like press and media goes, like it's great in Chicago. I get a ton of press and like, you know, magazines, TV, blogs, they're very, very supportive of what I do. Um, and stores are supportive. You know, there's a growing domestically manufactured trend going on, especially in Chicago. People love local. Um, but I do think there is that lack as far as big money. You know, the big investors in Chicago don't see, um, a whole lot of profitability in apparel manufacturing. And they do in New York and LA. So specifically, that's how I see fashion. Yeah. You know, and, and again, like just looking at my own um, experience, because I, I really feel like there are some parallels between what you're doing, what I'm doing, even though you're very much in the fashion space, I'm very much in the music. The disadvantages from my experience is that there is less money, people are w less willing to take risks. You're doing something right, I'm not getting any press. because. <laughs> No press for the podcast in 10 years, so whatever you're doing, I need to steal. <laughs> but, you know, there is, there's less support and infrastructure and foundation here, I think. But on the plus side, when you land something that connects with people, it stands out a lot more, I think, here, because you don't have as much competition. Whereas in New York, New York or L.A., great cities, great markets, lots going on there, very hard to stand out because there's a trillion people all trying to do the same thing. Do you, do you kind of see that where, like, there's, there's disadvantages and then the, the advantage is that when you, when you land something that works with people, it really elevates and showcases. Absolutely. Um, Chicago being a little smaller town with less competition, like you said, um, it's easier, get, easier to get to the top. It's easier to be recognized. Um, but the thing is, for people in Chicago, it's hard to break out to a national level. So you can be the top in Chicago, but then how do you get to that next step? Um, how do you, you know, get your name recognized in New York, L.A., even St. Louis? You know, like, there's that lack of national exposure coming out of Chicago that I find. You know, are you, um, obviously there's things like CMJ and South by Southwest. Are you, you know, traveling to, like, you know, Fashion Week in different cities? Or are you connecting at conferences or even just regular meetings where you're flying out to other cities? Or, you know, like, how do you connect with these other markets then? Um, well, for me, it's going to magic in Las Vegas and like just chatting with people, chatting people Vegas up. Vegas is so great right now. I love Vegas. There's and there's money in Vegas. Vegas is doing cool things. Sorry. No, it's going. okay. Um, so I, right now, like um, you know, for the last year, about for about the last year, I've been looking for a sales rep out of LA because my stuff is very LA. Um, but unless you're in LA, talking to people, knowing people, it's hard to get into stores there. Um, and I don't have time to fly to New York, or New York or LA very often. So what I'm trying to find is representation in New York and LA so then they can already take the people that they know and then spread my brand to several stores. Yeah, and, and again, just we're going to jump all over the place because there's so much I feel <laughs> like we could pick your brain with. But you work for yourself. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You have your own company. And there are only so many hours in the day, and I bet you forget what sleep feels like. But how do you operate when you've got to do everything that you're already doing day to day, but then you're also like, oh, my God, I wish that I had another clone of myself for L.A. and New York and Vegas. And I mean, how do you keep up with, with being an independent entrepreneurial business? 
Um, it's, it's very difficult. Um, I feel like I never have enough time because I actually own another business as well. So I own two businesses and I teach at the Schoolyard Institute, which takes up a good 80 hours of my week. I feel like a doctor, I work so much. <laughs> um, but at the same time, none of it's work to me. I never yeah, feel yeah. like it's work. It's like what I would do on my free time anyway. So um, to answer your question, I, I'm, I use interns. I usually have like three interns at a time, which is a huge help. Um, and I'm looking for interns, if any of you guys are interested, design and marketing. I feel like the whole class is going to follow <laughs> you out of here. <laughs> it's okay. I brought the cards. You can grab a card. Um, but then, you know, it's also about like outsourcing as much as possible. Yeah. So like right now, like it, it's more valuable for me to pay someone else to sew all my garments at this point and to cut all my garments than for me to do it myself. They can do it more efficiently and then I can make money doing other things or I can actually like hang out with my friends. Um, being an entrepreneur, um, you make a lot of sacrifices. Like, yeah. you know, time, friends, but then at the same time, it's so worth it. Like, you get to do cool stuff, you get to make your own hours, you get to be your own boss, and there's exponential growth. And I think that's what inspires me about entrepreneurship more than anything. Um, working corporate, I was stuck at an, in an entry-level position. And there was all this bureaucracy that I had to go through to even get my voice heard. Um, and then all these people who had positions above me that weren't smarter than me, didn't know better than me, that I didn't respect. And it was very frustrating for me um, to be in a company where my time and their money and my skill sets were unutilized. Um, so for me to make my own schedule, uh, I'm a very hard worker. I always have been. I came from a North Dakotan farming family. So I always want to work hard. I'd rather work a really hard eight-hour day for the same money as doing nothing for eight hours sitting at a computer, like staring at the floor. Um, so being my own boss, I was able to utilize all of my skill sets and utilize my intelligence and not be stuck in this corporate maze. Um, I mean, I feel like you've read my diary for the last, <laughs> like, decade of, like, you know, I, I come from a lot of, like, great experience, great, great people I worked with, but... I came from the corporate background. Um, even though it was creative corporate, it's still corporate. And then working for myself, it was just night or day. Yeah. Really, it's such a difference. You know, so let's talk about you working for yourself some more because I think that that's a really interesting angle to examine, especially coming from working for other people. You know, like take us through a day. Take us through a day because you're talking about how you have people who are doing the sewing for you. Does that free you up to pursue kind of the bigger picture stuff that's going to move you ahead so that you're not bogged down with just the day-to-day -day manufacturing and Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm manufacturing much higher amounts now. So, I could never do it myself even if I wanted to. My day-to-day -day is very different every day. Some days I'm doing legal and finance, some do days I'm marketing. Sometimes I have photo shoots, fashion shows, meeting with buyers, um, flying to New York to look at fabrics, um, going out to my sewing cut cutters, contractors, going to my cutters, um, designing. Ironically, as a fashion designer, designing is only maybe 10% of what I do. <laughs> Seriously, it's like for my whole year, everything else has to do with these, you know, 15 designs each six months, which is another thing about my business is that, you know, some people have a product and they sell it. I am inventing, creating, and manufacturing 20 different styles every six months. So, like, it's a lot to come up with all of this stuff, to figure out how to make it, to actually buy all the production goods and then have it all made and then market it and then sell it and then do all the fine. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm tired just hearing about it. I'm just like, <laughs> I can't even imagine, you know, just that much turnover. And, and in the fashion world, just like in all the arts right now, it's like, is the attention span as short as it is in music? Because Absolutely. people... We talked about Miley Cyrus a lot in this class. And, you know, you look at Miley the last, like, two and a half months, she's had this huge build-up, all the buzz, all the hype, all the controversy, everything. By the time her album came out, I literally, I tried listening to the first song, and I was like, oh, I'm bored with this. And I think that by the time the actual product hit, people were like, oh, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, was that all kind of for nothing? So how fast is the turnaround in terms of people's attention span in the fashion space? It's strange. It's, it's hard to figure out because I'm designing a year ahead. Right. So I'm designing um, spring, summer of 2014. No, I'm designing fall, winter of 2014 right now <laughs> because I need time to design it, um, make all the samples, 
have the lookbook shot by a photographer, then I'm selling it to stores, and then I'm producing it, and then it's going into stores. So I'm always thinking a year ahead, and what I've realized is that I used to like post all these photos about like, oh, you know, winter 2014 is coming, but then by the time winter 2014 has come, everyone's already seen my photos, and they're not that excited about it. So what I do is I... 2015. Yeah, so yeah. what I have to do is I have to take the photos, and then I can't even share them on social media for almost a year, which kind of drives me crazy, and like drives the model and photographer crazy, but I have to make, make it seem like it's brand new. Um, but then I also get strange things where people are a little lagging in the fashion industry and they're like, oh, do you have that one piece from three years ago? Or like, do you have this piece left? And I'm like, no, why didn't you buy it when it was cool? But in their head, it's now cool. Like they finally, you know, caught up with the trend. And I find that especially in the Midwest. Um, let's talk about the actual selling of your work, because I know that you, I was looking at your site, you're in a lot of physical retailers, which is awesome. And I think a lot of people right now have their work sold online, but you're also in stores. Talk about kind of how do you get in stores? How does that process happen? How much work is it? And also, how does that differentiate between selling online? Is it a better profit? I'm not trying to get too personal, but like, is it more profitable to sell online direct from your site versus selling in a store? Or kind of Take us into that kind of world. Well, you know, the, the retail world has changed so much in the last five, six years. It went from everyone being wholesalers, so I would always sell to boutiques, and then boutiques would sell my stuff. And then I got into the game right as that was changing, because a lot of these little boutiques were going out of business. And they wouldn't pay for the goods up front. They would do it 30, 60 days after the goods were shipped, which presented a terrible cash flow issue for designers. Um, so I started my business looking to get into all these stores and like calling stores and emailing stores and sending physical mail to stores, and I wouldn't hear from any of them. Um, and then they started coming to me, and I started realizing I'm putting all this effort into trying to find these stores when if they really want my stuff, they'll find me, and my perfect stores will find me. And that's how I've gotten into all of my stores, is them contacting me, which is really interesting. Um, but I don't necessarily like wholesaling. You know, I, I make half the profit. Um, I have to deal with buyers who are always very picky and intimidating. Um, and they're like, where is this shipment? We wanted this. Oh, can you make this sweatshirt with a cowl like this? And I'm like... Whatever, I would rather sell direct to customer, which has been 80% of my business, um, which is online sales, which is okay, but more than anything, it's me at shopping events with a booth hustling, like Randolph Street Market, um, Daily Plaza sidewalk sale. They just had the Millennium Park Fashion Chicago in Millennium Park just here. Um, and it's me paying a few hundred bucks for a booth and then getting an intern to help me, and we just sell sweatshirts, like, you know, dresses, sweatshirts, I do a lot of knitwear, um, and that's where I make all my money, because if you physically get it in front of people, and you, you, I get them to try on my clothes, they see how good it is, and they meet me, and I feel like I am a little more marketable even than my clothes, so if they're like, oh, this girl is literally doing all this, I should support her, and there's that personal connection, um, then I sell a lot more, so Ironically, direct-to-customer is how I've funded my business. I mean, engagement is so important, and I, I hope we've talked about that in this, in this class. Um, it makes such a difference when you connect with people online, and it almost doesn't really matter what the business is. If people see a face, you know, to the brand, to the business, to whatever it is that you're selling, and they, you know, feel like they know part of your story, if they feel like they're part of it, that they can touch it, I mean, it, it, in my experience, that goes so much further with people. Absolutely. And if you look at my Facebook, I have a personal Facebook page and I have a fan page. My fan page has like a thousand people. My Facebook has been maxed out at 5,000 for two years. Like people want to know me. They don't right. necessarily want to know the business. And today I posted two posts on Facebook and one was like, oh, I'm doing this interview at Columbia College. Here's the link. And then about a half Thank hour you. later, you're welcome. A half hour later, I, I had a Facebook post that was something like, when I was an SAIC student, I used to always hang out at Columbia. Um, now I'm speaking today as an industry expert. It's so cool. You guys got to check it out. Here's the link. I guarantee I'll have 20 times more likes on that post than just the direct link. Because it has a story. It has a personal connection. And that, again, no matter what industry you're heading into, if people know your story, if they can connect to it, if they feel an emotional connection with that, that sells so much better than just like, Hey, watch my new YouTube video, because there's a billion YouTube videos on the, on, yeah. Um, you know, let's talk about you kind of in the real world space a little bit more. You know, how do you navigate these real world interactions when you're connecting with people? Because clearly you're outgoing, but you really have to be outgoing at this point, don't you? Like, you can't be shy or timid, so how do you 
are there ever days where you're like, I don't feel like talking to people? Like, where does that come from, you know, inside to be able to sell and connect like that? Well, I come from a very modest, humble background, and I was always raised to, you know, not, not be too boastful um, by my dad, not so much my mom. Um, but uh, I had to really get over that. As an artist, you have to be able to get over the humbleness and the thought like, oh, you know, people might not like my stuff. No, put yourself out there, no matter what you do. Even if you don't know if it's good or not, just put it out in the world, and you'll get some sort of reaction back. Um, and so I really had to you know, be in a certain mindset to promote myself, and not only myself as an artist, but my brand, I am the face of the brand. It's literally my name. So I need to be very self-aware of how I present myself. Um, and I have to be very bold in like getting out there and you know, getting my name out there. Um, but I also like meeting people, I like doing things. But as far as you know, wanting to hide sometimes, I was on um, a reality show called So You Wanna Be a Designer. It was the first fully Facebook um, streamed reality show. It was done by, by Ken Moore and Sears. Um, um, and they, we had to stay at this place, and they had us mic'd all the time. And so I had to be so self-aware of what I said all the time because they could tune in through Facebook 24 hours a day. Wow. So you never knew who was watching you at one time. So I couldn't talk about boyfriends. I couldn't talk you know, bad about anyone. Not that I usually do. But I just had to be really, really self-aware and like not give out my secrets. And um, after that experience, I wanted to like hide in a hole for a while because I just felt so overexposed, which I think a lot of people on reality shows do. Um, but in general, I like being out there. I like, I like being the face of my company. I like, um, I like the arts and entertainment industry in general. You know, and let's talk about your social um, presence because obviously you've got a great social presence, you know, both for yourself and for the brand. How do you navigate that? What are the platforms you're using right now? Like me personally, Facebook still connects with people, but Facebook sucks. It is just the worst. I mean, I think it's the worst. I think those stupid bit strips are like, like the actual feed and experience of Facebook, I hate it. I love Twitter and Instagram right now. What's working for you, though? What, how do you connect with people, and what's your strategy for that? Um, Instagram is probably my best seller because it's all visuals. And, like, I do a lot of Instagram posts about the behind the scenes. Uh, a lot of stuff in my studio, like, oh, look at these bundles of fabric right before they're cut or different things like that, um, which I think is probably the most successful for me. But I have a huge Facebook following. So anything I post, I'll get 60, 100 likes. So I know, and that's just people who are liking it, not necessarily how many people are seeing it. Um, I'm kind of bored with Twitter. I don't really use Twitter. I think at Twitter all. kind of fell off like last six months, last 12 months. I don't know what happened. For a, for a long time, Twitter was just like, that was it, like the place to be. It, it was the club you couldn't even get into because the line was out the door. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about your promotion with United Airlines because that seems very cool. And, and does working with a brand that large, does it kind of legitimize you to other people? You know, when you're trying to go out and sell or, or advance your business, are you able to say, like, hey, we've done stuff with United? This is real. This is legit. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I'm on like a, some sort of PR site or I have a highclout.com score, but somehow these corporations find me whenever they're looking for a cool fashion designer to rep their brand. I, I'm often that person. Um, and to a certain ex extent, I feel a little used by them because they don't necessarily pay me that well. Sometimes they'll throw me like a ton of product, which is cool. Um, but it definitely legitimizes me. Like posting posting it on Facebook or having it in my press kit is huge to people, especially like back home, people think I'm so cool. <laughs> like, I'm not that cool. Um, but working with United was cool because they had, um, you know, this huge, huge network and they, they sent out an email to a quarter of a million people about, um, you know, their weekly or monthly auctions and I was one of them. So that's just exposure to a huge network that I wouldn't otherwise deal with. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing, because like I said, it's, they're, they're looking for marketing through individuals. I think that's a huge trend in marketing the last five years, is like, you know, making the consumer feel very personal connection to who's doing it. That's why they like, you know, zone in on all these chefs and all these like, oh, this is the man that made your car. You know, people have that personal connection, and so they're looking for a cool fashion designer, um, and that's what I've been for a lot of companies. It's a big thing right now in journalism and marketing, and I use those two terms to mean so much more than what people think of as journalism and marketing, but branded content. You know, we've done sponsored content on the podcast, and I, I, I try to keep it organic to what we would be doing anyway. But yeah, I think that corporations and brands that are savvy now, they know that they're not hitting people the way they would have 10 years ago if they advertised during Seinfeld, because that, people didn't have a choice. That was what they could watch. Now, 
they're trying to do, yeah, like exactly what you're saying, personalized branded content. They're connecting with, you know, a blog or a fashion designer or a chef. Absolutely. But, but it, I think it creates a perception, if nothing else, that like you are just a total superstar, which you are, <laughs> you know, and, and perception goes such a long way, right? Agreed. It absolutely does. Um, you know, being in the Chicago Fashion Incubator, you know, instantly made my brand better, which is silly because, you know, the people, you know, who pick it are, who, who pick the designers in there are you know, industry experts, but at the same time, it doesn't really mean anything, you know, like... People love meaningless. Right? It, like, people, it's so funny, like, people, you can work your ass off, and that counts for something, but then you get something that's kind of like arbitrary and meaningless, maybe doesn't even pay, yeah. and it just opens all the doors in the world for you. Crazy. It is really weird. Perception is just, you know, it's everything. Uh, and let's talk about that, you know, because in this arts climate, this entertainment climate right now, this economy in general, people want work done, and they don't really want to pay for it. I, I run in that all oh, the time. And I... I I see that with all sorts of people who are so talented. So how do you navigate? Do you ever work for free? Are there times where it makes sense to work for free? And what do you want? Because I have my answers, but I'm really interested in your take. If you're going to work for free, what do you need to get back in return? Well, when I started my business, I was much more open to working for free because I was so desperate to get a job in the creative field, which I'm sure a lot of you guys experience. You're like, oh, I'll do it for free just to get my name out there. Um, and that works for a bit, but you have to know the value of your work or else you're going to be a starving artist your whole life. Um, and so when I started, it was more like a barter system. So like, um, I'd work with my photographer and model, um, and my photographer would give me a discounted rate, and then I'd make sure to promote my model really hard and promote the photographer, and you know, I can promise press for this. And so it was a mutually beneficial you know relationship um, so that's definitely what I suggest as far as starting out um, and then working for free just working for free in general, don't do it unless there's a great opportunity for you. Don't devalue your own work. And now when I'm working 80 hours a week, I know precisely how much my time is worth. I have a, I have a dollar value on my time. Like I will give up this much money to spend time with my best friend. Like I just know it. And so like when people ask me to do freelance design work or ask me to do this, I'm like this much an hour. Yes or no, take it or leave it. And if they're a friend of mine, maybe we can work something out where they design something for me or help me with something. But um, as far as absolutely free work, you know, I think you have, to, you have to set your value. I think that's really important as artists, and I think we undervalue ourselves a lot. And it's hard. I mean, is it ever hard for you to... Maybe the answer is no, because it kind of sounds like it's no. Is it ever hard for you to ask for money? Because I feel like we have hit this weird place again in the arts and maybe it's just in Chicago I don't know if it's everywhere where it almost feels weird to ask for payment you know I'll, I'll pursue projects with people sometimes and the first thing they ask is like well do you want to get paid for this and it's like why is that such a weird question you yeah, know like, weird. do you see that where like people it's so much has just been demonetized you know I definitely saw that. I've been doing my business for five years. Um, I definitely saw that at the beginning because um, people like thought of me as like, oh, her job's fun, so she doesn't have to get paid for it. That's like asking your friend who's a nurse to like, you know, be your bedside nurse for a couple hours for free. Like, why would they want work for free? Why would you work for free? And I find that even more for like graphic designers. Graphic mm -hmm. designers constantly are undervalued. But you know, now especially, I have my other business is doing standardized test prep tutoring. Um, and it's very lucrative, and I, I know the value in that, and I see the value, and, like, people pay money, and that's how it is. And, like, I'm slowly transferring those ideals over to my other business because I'm like, this is a business, too. I'm providing a product or providing a service. Like, absolutely, I, I deserve, you know, this much for this amount of time. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you one more question, then I really want to open it up to the class here. So um, let's go out on this note. What are some of the most important lessons or takeaways that you have learned that no one told you going in, you know, that experience only? As far as fashion or entrepreneurship? Either or, you know. Anything that you were like, oh, my God, I had no idea about this. No one told me. And the only way I knew was because I did this. Being an entrepreneur, I didn't realize how self-sufficient you have to be. Um, you know, you think, oh, I'm going to get a degree, and then I'm going to get a job. Um, but being an entrepreneur, it's so much more than that, and it's so much more about your own self-discipline and your own hard work. And the other thing that I, you know, wish I would have known that would have gave me less anxiety in college was that 
most other people quit. So like if there's something you really want to do, just keep doing it. Just do it, do it, keep learning, keep learning. And eventually you're, you're going to make it because everyone around you is going to give up. They're probably not as hard of workers or they're not as talented or they're not as, you know, I, I don't know what. Yeah. Ambitious, I guess. It, the, the herd thins the further you Absolutely. go. And then you end up left. It's pretty cool, actually. And yeah. I know it sounds like super cheesy, but like, don't quit. You know, whatever you want to do, just keep doing it. You know, work for free as an intern. You get your foot in the door to the company you want to be in. When I graduated college, all my friends wanted to work for Dior and Prada. And I got a job as a assistant production coordinator at a baby clothes company. And they all made fun of me. And it was like an hour and a half commute there each way. It was terrible. But I learned, you know, how to sell to the masses. I learned how to manufacture overseas if I ever wanted to, which I don't plan on. But I learned all this stuff about fashion that I didn't learn in school. And within six months, I was doing the designing. I was designing baby clothes for Target, which doesn't sound that glamorous. But I went home for a baby shower once, and one of the girls gave the mom-to-be one of my designs because she bought it at Target. And I was like, I think that sounds holy awesome. cow. I think that totally sounds That's glamorous. That's crazy. To have your stuff on on the racks of Target, it absolutely. It was so cool. So, you know, just just do it, basically. Yeah, I think that's such such great advice because absolutely the people, you come out of the gate and everyone's going to talk such a big game and you and it's easy to feel like, oh man, everyone absolutely. else is just like on their grind. Again, perception. And then so the longer good. you stick with this, the, and again, any of these arts, any of these arts careers, the longer you stick with it, the more people are going to fall off because... Work is hard. Right? Yeah. And, and I don't claim to be the best fashion designer. I'm just a really, really hard worker, and I do it, and I'm okay at it. So then I'm the one who does it. Yeah, especially in a city like Chicago where it's a small market and you stand out if you're doing good work. Absolutely. Um, I want to open it up again for anyone listening or watching, either in real time or after the fact. We are broadcasting from my intro to management class that I teach here at Columbia College Chicago. So we're sitting here with the class. I want to open it up to the classroom, to the students here to ask some questions. Uh, they may or may not jump on mic, but who would like to ask a question to Anna about what she does? And if you want to be on the mic, go right up ahead here and Layla will give it to you. And say your name. Hi, Amy Clayton. Um, I was wondering, what do you consider your target market to be? Do you plan to expand it? And if yes, how so? Um, my target market right now is 20 to 30 year olds um, who are looking for like stylish comfort clothes. Um, but when I started, it was 18 to 25 year olds. And so I feel like my target market is growing as I do. And I hear that a lot because, you know, my, my stuff started out so young and people would be like, oh, your stuff's so young. I don't know if I can wear it. And as I'm getting older, my style is maturing and it's subconsciously going into my brand. So I still consider my brand young contemporary, but I also design pieces like this dress that, you know, a, an older woman or, you know, a woman with more mature taste will also appreciate. Um, so it's interesting as far as target market shift due to my personal preference or like you know maybe when I get pregnant one day I'll want to do maternity clothes or maybe when I get married I'll be really inspired by bridal I don't know so it's 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 always changing and it's always like focusing on where the niche is you know I find that older women have more money you know if I designed plus size clothes for 50 year old women I'd be rolling in dough right now but it's not what inspires me at the moment I think I'm going to do that because it sounds like there's a lot of money in that so much money <laughs> Um, um, I was also wondering what motivates you to stay based in Chicago compared to, like you said earlier, moving to New York or L.A.? Well, I like Chicago a lot as a city. I personally like it. You know, I have a, a decent place. I have a car. I know the city. All my friends are here. Um, so that for personal reasons. And I also hustled so hard in my early 20s to get to where I am in the city. Right now, it's not worth it for me to go to New York or L.A. and start over. If I had a you know, a great opportunity in either place, I would definitely consider it. Um, but I'm a Midwest girl. I, I like Chicago. I'm Jenny. Um, I know you said you were looking for interns and you have interns. What kind of work do you have them do? It's not that glamorous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think people always think that they're going to be like doing cool stuff. But really, it's just like, you know, stuff in my studio. Um, for, for design interns, they do uh, pattern work with me. So I'm making patterns, they're cutting them out. Or they're, you know, Mm, helping me pull for trend boards. Like if I'm in the middle of design season, I'll pull, have them pull tons of images. Um, let me know what's trending. Fashion marketing, um, it's more like helping me with my social media posts, you know, helping me plan them out. Um, helping at events, like uh, shopping events, helping me work my booth. Uh, we have a lot of um, 
I don't know, just a lot of like industry events I just need an extra hand for, carrying stuff. So it's not a lot of necessarily design, but it is really interesting because I'm such a small company that there's a lot of leeway. I mean, you work for a big fashion corporation and you're gonna be stuck doing this every day. With me, it's kind of like, I would love to hear your ideas. I mean, you guys are my target, target market as well. So like, you know, I'm always inspired by what you have to say or if you have better ideas on what I'm doing, I'm with it. So it's, especially for marketing, it's a really, cool internship because you have so much to work with and so much that's not implemented yet. So a lot of space to, to work. Yeah, and, and really like when you work for a larger corporation, a larger brand, a larger company that has its own established kind of aesthetic and, and what they do, it's near impossible to send an idea up the flagpole. It could be the best idea ever. You know, it could bring the Titanic back and prevent that from happening and they'd have to check with 30 people. Yep. Yeah. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, who's your favorite designer? Good question. Um, overall, in life, Vivian Westwood. Um, she inspires me both aesthetically and personally. But I don't really, you know, obsess over any specific designer. You know, I watch the shows, but I'm not like, oh, did you see this or that? I like specific design details about a lot of different people or different aesthetics about a lot of different people. But I find when designers are too fixated on a specific designer, they subconsciously, you know, emulate their style. And so, I don't know, I, I try to like, keep my options open, but I'm a lot more inspired by what girls are wearing, what like actual trendy girls are wearing, you know, these, these trends that they're wearing three years before it hits the main market. And like when I spot it, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's gonna be cool. Especially like the art students and the fashion students. Yeah. Okay, my name's Carly, and I was just wondering, you were talking about how you're not really a total fan of wholesales, but, um, from your online sales, are you ever planning on opening your own store eventually? I'm not. I'm, I'm really uninterested in retail. I worked retail all through college, um, and I respect it, and I just, I'm not a good saleswoman. I, you know, the day-to-day -day of operating a retail store, like, stresses me out. So I would rather just be behind the scenes in my studio making things and letting someone else sell it. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name's Taylor. Um, the fashion inc incubator that you talked about, did you apply for it, or how did... How, like, does that work out? Yep, every November they take applicants for it. Um, you have to be um, graduated or at least not still a student, and you have to be have your business in Chicago. And they select six designers every year. Uh, they have a studio in Macy's. And when I was in it, it was 2009. It was just the second year of it, which was really cool because it was fresh and young. And um, we had Tommy Hilfiger as our mentor, and Mayor Daly implemented all of it. Um, it's a really cool program for you know, up-and-coming designers. Yeah. Nice. Do you not want to get on the mic? All right, go ahead. So, Sometimes. It's pretty amazing. I think that's probably the best experience I've ever had having my business. I was, um, I was out one day, and I, this girl was wearing one of my hoodies, and I didn't know her, and I said, it's a really cool hoodie. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's awesome. Look at it. It's reversible, and it does this, and it's so cool, and I got it at Belmont Army. And, blah, blah. and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, I designed it. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> she, like, made me take an Instagram with her, and it was, like, so inspiring because, like, to, you know, when I first started, I felt like people just bought my stuff to be nice. You know, <laughs> they're like, doing you a favor I really did and yeah. to a certain extent I still kind of think that I'm like oh yeah they're my friends so they support me but then when I see people I don't know buying my stuff it's like holy cow like these people are paying money for my art and I you know I've always been an artist and I think that's why I'm so inspired by fashion um, is it such a tangible art and so many people can just like wear your art it's yeah. so cool yeah and the question just for the recording really quick was just uh, you know the, re the reaction of, of seeing your work out in the real world, absolutely. Hi, I'm Haley. Um, so like you, I don't really want to be like the best fashion designer, but I do want to design clothing that's wearable, um, like in the street or wherever. So with that, because I don't want to be like the best and make millions of dollars, I kind of see myself having another job as well, kind of like what you're doing. Um, so what advice do you have for me? like? should I focus on fashion right now or should I focus on maybe having a job somewhere else in the industry and just kind of do the design on the side? Well, I find that people who do the design on the side never really do the design. 
Okay. You know, like I feel like you have to be 100% committed to the fashion if you want to do it at all and then have your side job to support it. You know, a lot of artists have like a, a nine to five. I also find that like I, my other business, I, I do during the evenings. And so like when I wake up, I'm inspired to design and I design all day and then I go to my job. When my other friends who are the other way around, by the time they get done with their job, they're exhausted and they don't have that self-motivation to do fashion. Um, and I, so I suggest if, if you're into fashion, get your nine to five or your corporate job in fashion and hopefully that'll teach you um, to do your fashion stuff. But, you know, so many people graduate with fashion degrees that never really become fashion designers. And I don't mean that to sound disheartening. I'm just saying it to say you really got to do it. Okay. And do you think I should have, like, a better, like, attitude? Like, do you think I should want to be the best? Or You should want whatever you want. I don't okay. think it matters. <laughs> okay. You know, do, do, do you. Yeah, because that was funny it. that you said the thing about how you don't necessarily want, like, everybody to know you or be the best fashion designer yeah. because I've thought that, but when I tell, like, my parents that, they're like, well, why are you going to school for fashion design? <laughs> so. Well, I think, it's, I think it's a different in lifestyle. Like, um, for me, you know, being domestically manufactured and, like, you know, figuring out the business side of it inspires me a lot more than, like, the glamour of New York Fashion Week. I could show at New York Fashion Week, but it would cost me a ton of money, and it wouldn't really be worth the work for me right now. Maybe one day. Um, I think whatever you decide to do, you have to really want to do it. Like, I really want to do fashion. Like, that's, that's been ingrained in me since fifth grade, you know? So I, what, what I want to do with fashion may vary from people's perception of what I should do in fashion, um, but I absolutely want to do it. There's no question. Cool. Thank you. Awesome. Hand up in the back. You know, I'm... I'm not real inspired by accessories. You know, I'm, ex I'm inspired by wearing them, but I've never been inspired to design them. I love fashion because it's like, I love the female form. I love that, um, you know, I love playing with fabric on bodies and like how that's all shaped. But the like, I think of accessory and shoe design as more product design than fashion design. Yeah, and the question was just about basically, yeah, just doing kind of accessories and shoes. Um, Something I was curious about, you do some menswear I've seen. Was that something you gradually, like, kind of expanded into? Is it something that's going to continue growing, or is it just kind of like a, a side venture? Well, I had a, so many men asking me to make menswear that finally I did, um, and they, it sold great. I just, I feel like I don't have time for menswear. My brand is so based on women's wear. Um, and all my stores I sell to only buy women's wear. So, like, by the time I design and manufacture and get all that women's wear out, I don't have time to do a lot more men's wear. But I absolutely think that there is a market for men's wear, and I think the most successful domestic brands are all men's wear. I mean, I saw some of the hoodies you had, and the ones that I wanted were sold out. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my God, make more hoodies. That's all I wear. I love hoodies. <laughs> hoodies I, are the greatest. I hear that a lot. And I was reading in Entrepreneur Magazine, there's a, um, there's a company called... Oh, what is it? American Giant or something? And it's it's the a menswear hoodie manufacturer. They're all made in California, and it's they strictly do men's hoodies, and they and they're amazing. This. Yeah, yeah. Hoodies are the greatest thing that have ever been invented. So, <laughs> um, let's get a couple more questions before we uh, wrap it up here. Another one in the back. How many season. pieces do you create each season? Yeah. So every six months I design a new season, um, and I usually have about 15 to 20 styles, and then I kind of see what the stores order out of those, and then I usually end up producing um, 12, give or take a few. Um, just because the, for the amount I'm manufacturing now, it's still better to do fewer styles and a lot of those quantities rather than producing 20 a few of 20 different styles for me. Does it interfere with personal life? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But then it also expands my personal life. You know, being who I am and doing what I do, I meet so many people and so many cool people. And like, you know, I do a lot of social things within my business. But as far as time goes, yeah, totally. Like, I have to schedule hanging out with my friends two weeks in advance. And that's, I mean, some of them might be watching now, and they know that's true. And so I also know how valuable my time is. And so, like, when I make plans with people and they cancel on me, like, I'm like, 
my time is worth so much. Like, don't flake out on me. So, yeah, yes and no. Uh, but then it also gives me more flexibility. If my friends are getting married, I can take a week off, you know? Celebrity inspiration, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm very inspired by Rihanna. Um, but, you know, most celebrities don't even pick their own clothes. So I have my stuff on Juliana Rancic and Jennifer Hudson and then Val Warner, um, who hosts Windy City Live here. Um, but my, my brand isn't huge celebrity-driven. Um, but as far as my personal inspiration, I'm just kind of inspired in general by what people are wearing, you know, more than a specific celebrity, just because I know they have a stylist. You know, and especially all these celebrities with their own fashion lines, they don't design that stuff. <laughs> like, they, they probably don't even look at it before it comes out. It's all other designers working for them and brand representation and PR people saying, okay, this is Kim Kardashian's style. So let's make clothes in this price range that emulate this is her your style. your personal brand. Right? It's so silly. Does that eat at you when you see these people who are celebrities who are famous who you know are not even touching a needle? And they're just like, yeah, I'm a designer now. And oh you're just like, God. oh, my God. Oh, it drives me almost as crazy <laughs> as all the, all the streetwear brands that make screen-printed T-shirts and call themselves fashion designers. That yeah. drives me crazy as well. They're not cutting, sewing anything. They're, they don't know how to pattern make. So you're a graphic designer, not a fashion designer. Yeah. It was amazing. It was right when I started my business. Like, the month I started my business, I was friends with her makeup artist at the time. And she's like, oh, maybe we can get your stuff on Jennifer. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so I sent her my lookbook. She ordered everything. And so I had to make it within, like, two weeks in my apartment. I was still working out of my apartment on this little Ikea table. So I had to grade all my, my samples into her size at the time, which was bigger than her current size, um, sew it all myself in a fury, and then send it off to her. And then, you know, getting pictures back of her wearing it or her saying, oh, I need another one of this. It's pretty amazing, because I, I, I met her, and I like Jennifer Hudson very personally as well. So, like, having someone, you know, rep my brand who I think is a positive role model and that I like is even better than just, like, some girl on TV wearing my brand. Yeah, so. just asking about Jennifer Hudson. I mean, that's that's an incredible get, especially so early on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Where do you work out of town? Like, do you Yeah, where do you? I know you were in Lacuna for a little while, right? I was in Lacuna. I'm now um, in the West Loop on Carol and Damon. I share like a 3,000 square foot studio space with a couple other designers, including Stephanie Kerr of Dottie's Delights. Who um, I went to high school with. I know. She, yeah. she does this amazing vintage inspired lingerie. You guys should all check it out. Um, and then we have a couple other designers in there and a photographer. So uh, they all, almost all of them, except one, work nine to five. So I have the studio pretty much all to myself all day, which is really awesome. And let's talk about that really quick. Um, if, and then we'll kind of do maybe one or two final questions and wrap this up because Anna's been so generous with her time. But, you know, I know that you are somebody who is not only present and connected in the fashion industry here, whatever fashion industry is in Chicago, but I know that you interact with the music scenes, the nightlife scenes, the like, you know, photography and graphic design and events. Like, how important is it to not just stay in your bubble, but but really connect with the creative culture that exists in a city like Chicago? Oh, it's it's absolutely important. Um, and I I went to the Art Institute, but I knew all Columbia kids going through college, and so I knew so many people that were in fashion and in music, and you know, I was, I was really into hip-hop and met a ton of people through that, and it was interesting as we all grew up seeing people do things, you know, and like seeing, you know, my friends who I knew when really make it is, is really cool to watch, especially in music, um, and those people have connections with other people, and you know, I think being in the arts and entertainment scene in Chicago is all about having a lot of friends in it. And I don't mean like BS networking, going to parties. I mean like genuinely being friends with photographers and, you know, music people and all realms of the art, inst art, art industry. Um, and, you know, people are helping other people and like people don't want to help you if you're a jerk, you yeah. know, like be a good person, be a nice person, be genuine, and then people will rally around you and support you. And then if you have talent and ambition as well, then you got it. Because Chicago, I mean, we should stress this, Chicago's a very small, big city. Absolutely. Like, if you tried to walk from Hyde Park to Rogers Park, you'd be exhausted. It's a big city in size, 
But man, the creative culture and community here is so small and insular that everyone knows everyone. Not just in their industry, but everyone knows Absolutely. everyone. I can't meet a person on the street without having like five mutual Facebook friends with Oh, them. yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. Um, anyone else? We've got maybe one more. Yes, go ahead. What a great question yeah, to end on. Yeah. Question. Where um, do you see your brand going in the next five to ten years? You know, I don't have a set goal because it's always changing. Um, I was part of this uh, Macy's workshop in May where I was selected as a high potential vendor for them, and I did a week-long course on how to sell to a major retailer. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of in this thing where I'm, I'm, I do very well for my city. But the gap between that and being a national brand and selling to Macy's is a big gap. So I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, fill that gap right now. Um, and then also I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the entrepreneurial aspect more and more. And so I'm thinking, you know, maybe I want to start a different business. Maybe I want to, you know, change my business. Being an independent apparel designer, no matter who you are, is not a great business model. I mean, look at Maria Pinto, look at other people in Chicago. Like, I don't have a lot of role models to look up to as far as successful Chicago-based fashion designers. Um, so I'm kind of figuring it out. I don't have an end goal. Ideally, I would want to stay based in Chicago, manufacture in Chicago, and sell to a larger retailer like Urban Outfitters um, that isn't like a mass distributor, but it's large enough. Um, and then they could sell for me all over the country. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good way to go out. Um, thank you so much, sincerely, to Anna Hovitt from Anna Hovitt Designs for taking time to be here this morning. Be so insightful and fantastic. Let's give it up for her. <laughs> so much great. Just, I mean, really, it's so applicable. And I couldn't have been a better guest. Uh, thank you so much to the AEMM department and Columbia College for having Dynasty Podcasts on site today for this interview. Um, thanks to Dynasty Podcast producer Layla I. Royale for engineering today's broadcast and podcast. Thanks to everyone in the class for being such awesome, active participants. Everyone who watched online or is checking this out after the fact, um, Dynasty YouTube or SoundCloud. For Dynasty Podcast, my name is Haima Black. Thank you for listening. This has been the Dynasty Podcast pod class series. Thanks to Anna Hovet for being on the show. Columbia College Chicago and the AEMM department for hosting Dynasty Podcasts, and Layla I. Royale for engineering and producing the interview. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend. <laughs>